0: Hi folks, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of The Hit Streak. Check it out. I gotta give a big shout out to my show sponsor, my friends over at AVLX. I also have to give a big shout out to Charles Henry and Ace Young, the amazing performers and producers of the music behind the show, as well as the amazing people that make up the Hit Lab creative team who are the producers of the show. Folks, I have a favor to ask. If you like what you hear, and I know you do, click that subscribe button to make sure you get alerted when new episodes are dropped. Thanks for tuning in. The real success stories told by the people who live them. We're going to have some guests on this show that everybody knows, and we're going to have guests on this show that nobody knows yet. One by one, Nick Hyder is adding hits to the hit streak. Blessings, folks. Welcome back to another episode of The Hit Streak. I'm your man, Nick Hyder. And today in the booth, today in the studio, today in the Hit Lab, I've got a very special treat for you. Um, You probably have seen this gentleman. I can call you a gentleman. You've probably seen this gentleman. Um, at some of, some, some of the uh, big concerts and events or hottest places you might have partied at um, all across the United States. So here's a couple of places that you might have seen him. You might have seen him on tour with Rascal Fletch. You might have seen him on tour um, with Brad Paisley or a slew of other Live Nation concerts and festivals. You might have seen him in the booth at uh, some of the hottest events and nightclubs all around the United States. Um, you might have seen him at uh, one of the Titans games for five seasons, because he was, uh, if you were in the house at Nissan Stadium and uh, watching them live and in living color and in person, he would have been the guy playing those tunes for you, right? So in the building, in the Hit Lab today, I've got uh, a very special friend of mine, and um, well, he's just an an all-out awesome guy. I've got DJ Rod Yori in the building today. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. Um, Like we're gonna be. We we, look, folks. We got like a lot of stories that we can tell you about. Like, does anybody really understand what it is like to be a DJ? Only other DJs. Only other DJs. Well, um, I wouldn't consider myself a DJ, but I have hung out with you guys a lot, and and you've let me play with you from time to time. So, do people know you used to be a DJ? (laughs) Um, You played one on TV. I sure did. I did play a DJ on TV. That's right. Um, Yeah, well, I I got to be a DJ because I got to hang out with some real DJs that uh, taught me the ropes and and let me hang and and play a little bit. I got to open for some awesome people through you. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. Yes, sir. Um, So, um, first of all, like a DJ. What is what are some of the most common misconceptions that that comes along with with that title? Because like, dude, you make a really good living, and uh, this is a career for you. Like, you don't. This is your day job, so to speak. I did air quotes if you're if you're not watching. right? I think that's probably the biggest misconception
1: is that I can actually make a career out of this, and this is my job. That's right. Most people probably think oh, I'm a DJ. He probably gets fifty bucks, hundred dollars a night, or whatever. It's like, no, this is my
0: living, and it's a pretty good living, which I'm blessed for. It's just like any other type of musician, right? So, some people make 50 bucks to play guitar downtown and, and sing to 15 people, and some people um, get paid millions exactly. of dollars, right? It's the same thing. Yeah, 100%. So, um, well, like, I th- being a musician um, and then hanging out with DJs for a long time, like, you guys are as much producers as you are anything. But you also control the the culture, the environment, and honestly, the revenue inside of all the venues that you're that you're rocking and rolling. We're going to talk about that too, as well. Um, But um, like, I don't know, man. Like, how in the world? So, how did you become a like how did how did you decide that the DJ
1: life was the life for you? I kind of just it was by accident stumbled across of it when I was in college, uh, pledging my fraternity at MTSU. Uh, I've always been a music fan, and haven't had more. CDs at the time. That's how old I am. mm-hmm And we were having a party one night at the house, and the President was like, "Just go put some CDs on back there on the CD changer." And next thing I know, I'm sitting back there for three, four hours just changing CDs out, just picking different songs to play. Then that went on for a few weeks, a few parties, and next thing you know, the uh, fraternity house bought like a horrendous DJ setup. <laughs> on hindsight, but I didn't know any better. And so it started from there. When I was 18, I guess, when I. First started the idea of DJing and then
0: mm-hmm. did played in my first bar when I was twenty. won't tell anybody about that, but <laughs> well, I mean, like, look, it's like it's like anything else. Um, it, it's it's a skill. You got to love music first of all, and yeah. then you told me in a um, a video we made years ago when we had a residency together that um, you started DJing because you just had more music than everybody. You yep. loved the music and you just had more music than everybody else. I, think I had
1: like five or six CD books of just. All genres too, which is the main thing. You got to love everything. You just can't pigeonhole yourself into hmm. one type of music. Well, well, I guess you can, but that's all
0: you're gonna be known for. Whereas I can. It's the same thing in business, baby. There's the first hit right there. There you go. That's awesome. Um, all right, so you've been so to all the folks out there that want to be musicians that want to be a DJ, right? So you mentioned that you started when you were 18 in college. You mentioned you got your first club gig when you were 20, and um, like you've been doing this for a couple decades now, right? Well, not to age myself, but have been doing it 23 years now. That's right. In bars and clubs. That's right. And, um, and, and to be clear, this is, this is your job, man. This is how you make a living. 100%. And, he's, and he makes a good one too, right? So, um, but it wasn't easy. And um, the price that you get paid, you weren't always paid that. You had to work your way up just like... I definitely hey, had some this. of those $50 gigs That's right when I started out. Shoot, I played for free more times than I care to mention. You definitely played a free for <laughs> opening for me a few times. That's right. Whoever would listen to me, whoever would give me a spot, I got, was in. You got a nice bar tab, though. I did get a nice bar tab. I appreciate that, too.
1: <laughs> I think everybody did. <laughs> if you knew us, you appreciated our bar
0: tab. Absolutely. Well, dude, um, like I mentioned some... Some pretty awesome people um, in the in the in the country in the country music realm, but like um, like right now you have a Vegas residency, right? Yeah.
1: You can find me at Doghouse at the New Resorts World. I'll be heading out there uh, next week, depending on when this drops, might be this week. So
0: yeah, I'll be we'll be hanging out with you there, and uh, um, so this will this will go next Tuesday, right? A week from today, so that'll be the week we'll be coming down to see you two days later. So when the people are listening to this. Right, um, we will be I'll be packing my bags to come see you in Vegas yes sir it's going to be it's going to be a good time, so um you live in Nashville, how in the world do you do you get residencies in i mean f- of all places the 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 nightclub capital of the world, las vegas the the party city yeah. right
1: uh, I was lucky enough to sign up with a blackout artist mm-hmm. d j. booking group and uh, through d. J. Silver, who's gotten me probably most of my high profile gigs mm hmm uh, that's how I ended up in Vegas and get a lot of the big time gigs. The Rascal Flats gig came through silver, also. So,
0: yeah, well, he, he changed the I whole landscape. I'm just gonna give him a percentage of everything I make for life. <laughs> well, he he says he feels the same way about you because he slept on your couch when he was trying to make it as a DJ. He did sleep on my couch when we first started coming to Nashville. That's awesome, dude. Well, it's um, you guys have remained, um, remained close, and 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 uh, I mean, you've changed the landscape of it. He was the first. Country artist or country music DJ to have a record deal, right?
1: Yeah, first, first country artist DJ slash DJ with a record deal. Then I think he's first or second to tour with a recording artist.
0: Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And you guys have been—he's definitely the longest-running, consistent touring Absolutely. DJ in the country field. Absolutely. Well, dude, it's it's awesome that you guys have been able to do that kind of stuff. So you've been rocking uh, – so you you did five seasons with the Titans, the Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans. Yeah. All right, so explain to the folks what that's all about.
1: Well, the first season, back to Silver, him and I split that season. And then when his touring took off with Jason Aldine, I picked up the rest of the seasons. But, yeah, I'd play all the pregame music and warm-up music for when the players got on the field. And then the, uh, the first season, we just did pregame and warm-ups and – halftime breaks stuff like that Then the second year uh program director was like hey you're here why don't you play some music for the defense while they're out there so i started doing actual in-game defensive music as well that's awesome so having to pay attention to the game read the energy of the crowd read the energy of the play that just happened read the energy of the play you need
0: to happen Mm -hmm. and cue the music up for that and Mm -hmm. have the appropriate music and that's, a, that's I mean, that's NFL production. Like, that's on mainstream TV. There's commercial breaks. There's so much that you got to to be aware of and know what's going on. It's a little nerve-wracking. I'm sure. And then I can um, remember when we would come to see it, it was, like, freezing cold, and you work with your hands.
1: Yeah, there's a <laughs> thing was one of the last games. might have been the last game I actually did. I think it was 23 degrees, wow. I believe, it was what my selfie said when I took it. Mm, I'm out there just bundled up, gloves on, face mask, layers, and... Somehow my all my equipment kept working because I was stationed outside. Yeah. I was the guy outside on the stage. I wasn't blessed to be in the
0: heated booth. No, that's miserable, man. Miserable. And um, gosh, we've been... Uh, so I played with you. Um, so I, I met you back, gosh, in the early 2000s, right? When you guys were um, doing all the stuff with uh, the drink company in Knoxville. And yeah. you guys were killing it, doing all those things. And you were the DJ, right? Well, I
1: might have first met you at
0: Stumbling in a Bar in Nashville. That's right. That's right. That's exactly where it was, and um, to, really,
1: to really date how old we are.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you dude, you always, um, as a as a DJ, you always did a great job of the place was always busy, and then when the people got there, you kept them there. Um, but more importantly, like as I got older into the industry and learned more, it's all about revenue. You were unbelievable at like people don't understand that as a DJ. You mentioned reading the crowd. One of the things you're doing besides keeping them there is keeping them buying things.
1: Yeah, it's one of the key things. A lot of Guys don't know or don't notice is you got to turn the crowd off so I was like it's cool to have everybody dancing at once but then you need to flip the crowd to send them back to the bar mm-hmm maybe not maybe 100% of the people don't like the song you're playing next so send those people to the bar or then play another song that everybody likes bring them back to the dance floor or then just keep rotating it all night long yeah it's like so the revenue one. of the bar stays up but
0: the puppet master
1: yeah you can you can blow your wad real quick and be like man it looks great out there the whole club is just on the dance floor right now but then an hour later <laughs> Nobody's in the club because they're all spent, That's and the right. revenue wasn't that high. But you keep turning it over, and the That's bar's right. going to love you.
0: That's right. So in the the um, you know with with technology, especially like the last ten years, the the DJ game, the DJ profession, the whole industry's changed. It went from turntables and and that, and, and vinyl to computer screens and
1: yeah, it went to you really had to put in legwork to find music and mm-hmm. actually learn how to DJ now you can become a DJ. Just I can teach anybody how to DJ, but the hardest part is learning what to play and when to play it. But right. Music's all available online. Now there's no going to the record store, taking a trip down to Atlanta or taking a trip down to Orlando, trying to find rare Mm -hmm. records and no carrying record crates in anymore or CD books. It's just show up with your laptop and go.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, the, um, I mean, it, it is a lot of fun. It's nice having all that type of uh, versatility when, you know, I guess in the old days you could only play as many record crates as as you carried in. Yeah,
1: the first club I was at, I had six record crates, and if you wanted something that wasn't in those record crates, it
0: wasn't happening. So in the band world, I always, as a as a drummer, and my son being a drummer, like, that's the person that takes the longest to get in and out because you got to carry all those yeah. drums and cymbals and stands in the Guitar player just throws the guitar in the case and walks yep. out, you know. Um, with well, the old school DJ, it was that way because you're carrying all those crates.
1: Yeah, I, I got to the point where I just left them there. <laughs> if I was playing the same place all weekend long, they just stayed there I and move them until I was done. Yep, and um, but I don't miss those days at all, man, I'd much rather just show up in my backpack and pull my laptop out.
0: That's right, that's right. And the um, and, and everything's electronic now, so um, even the even the, the record players and stuff, your your the platters and everything. Are digital. Yeah,
1: I still use turntables, but it's just got a code on there now that sends a signal to the laptop, and all your music's just read through the laptop. That's incredible,
0: incredible. And the um the equipment when I was uh, my equipment's so old now, I hope it works. I'm not sure. Um, it was, you know what OS you're running on your laptop. It might right. not. It it was a lot of fun, but it, I know it's evolved a lot. It's evolved a lot since then, right? Um, all right. So you grew up in Nashville. Um, you are a true open format DJ. Yes. Right? So tell the folks a little bit what open format means.
1: Open format is basically just any genre. You might hear hip hop. You might hear rock. You might hear oldies. You might hear electro. You might hear country, depending on where I'm at. Yeah. There's not a genre that I can't drop in. And that's what the true definition of open format is, is any genre.
0: Yeah. So you always had the best tracks. You always had the best songs, um, remixes that nobody had ever heard before, like stuff like that. Yeah. Is has that, that still, um, and, and this was just a few years ago. Is that still the case today? Uh,
1: not so much today because everybody has access to the same websites. I, well, if you're a DJ, you have the same access to the websites I had. Yep. Now it's more, you can go out in Broadway now and go to the bar and hear the same remixes and mm-hmm. blends almost at, it's almost identical every bar you go to. So it's, All about how to play them, how to set them up. What you play before a song, what you play after a song.
0: Yep. What songs work well together?
1: Yeah, it's more about framing the songs
0: now. Okay. All right. So framing a song. um, Elaborate on that a little bit.
1: Like I've got some go-to. If you've heard me, if you heard me play five years ago and hear me tonight, there's probably going to be a couple songs that I still play the same exact order I did back then. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I've got a little quick mix, Dirty South old school edit that oh, yeah. always do like three or four songs in a row and they just sound perfect together. It's like, I'm never going to get away from it. Yeah. But yep. it's all about just knowing what fits together. And cause that's one thing a lot of, it's one of the things that's hard to teach is what fits together with another song. Yeah. I mean, like your computer can tell you what key it is, what BPM it is, but mm-hmm. there's something in the ear that's that, right that you know from listening for music your whole life.
0: Who is, um, I think I already know the answer to this, but who is your favorite? Like, who's your, who's your idol when it comes to being a DJ? That
1: oh, was DJ AM.
0: DJ AM. All right. That's what I thought. Right. So, and he was the first guy to really kind of take it like mainstream, I guess, like real mainstream, like on he's, TV.
1: He's called the first, so I'll air quote this one also, celebrity DJ. Yep. First one that just the common person knew who he was.
0: And he was inc- unbelievable.
1: He's the best there was. He, he was the true open format DJ also. He would take... An 80s power ballad drop it on top of some hip-hop beats or take a uh, big hair poison song Motley Crue Bon Jovi whatever and then drop it over hip-hop beats or vice versa Yep, he could do it all
0: so you you have uh, in your time because you've um, you've been an operator owner of, of, of bars and nightclubs before um, you've had all aspects of the like you've had your your hands in every aspect that there is in there from yeah. Um, like you understand, poor costs. You understand all everything there is about the industry. Like yeah, if I, was, I, if I opened a bar a nightclub today, like you could run it. Yeah,
1: I had management positions everywhere I dj until the last few years. I was also usually AGM or entertainment director or some title like that. But last few years, I really enjoyed just walking in, DJing, and going home afterwards, and not worrying about absolutely all the bells and whistles that go in before and after that keep you at the club till five, six in the morning, counting money, dealing with any. <laughs> Everything backed up plumbing, whatever it may be.
0: That's right.
1: That's right. Even the nicest places that stuff happens to. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I don't care where you're at or how
0: nice the place is, there's going to be issues. So, um, why did why was uh, what was so so DJM was the first true open format, but like what made him so unique? Because he didn't have all the technology that, that the kids no, have when, today.
1: When he first got on the scene, he was literally just flipping records with crates behind him. Yep, but he was able to flip them and do the same. He was able to do the things that Serato allows us to do through the laptop. He was able to do manually. Yes. And people are still trying to figure out how he's doing it manually.
0: It's amazing being able to take little samples and bits and pieces and go back and forth and
1: all with just two or four tracks, man. It's. it's I've heard great. stories of, I haven't seen it in person, but I've heard stories of older DJs who said they would actually stack vinyl on top of each other so they could quick mix where they would literally just pull one off. Hmm. And go straight underneath to the next track rather than dig back into their crate. Well, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, like they would stack three or four pieces of vinyl. I've never tried it. I kind of want to now. Well, let me know how that goes because, like, I'm sure they make the record players to spin with a certain amount of yeah, weight cuir- on them. I'm real curious how it works, but I've heard enough stories to know it's a it's a thing. I guess if you speed up the the platter enough that if there's weight on it, you can balance it somehow.
1: I guess I have no. I know. If, <laughs> I know. I've had wobbly records before where I had to put glasses on top of the. Turntable to yeah, man. Keep the track down. A couple of quarters a stack of quarters on the edge. stack quarters
0: <laughs> on the tone arm. <laughs> Whatever it takes, and if the wind blew the wrong way, all those old tricks that the young kids don't know now. No, they, and they they never will, and maybe they don't need to. I don't know. They were they were it was cool, but like it was a, it was terrible going through living through those days. Actually, heard uh,
1: one of the younger guys this past summer. I think he's playing one of the pool parties or rooftops outside, and he was talking about he was using vinyl. He said the needle was. Uh, fluttering in the wind and the vinyl was fluttering in the wind. I was like, did you try putting a glass on top of the vinyl? He's like, just looked at me confused. I
0: was like, uh-huh. that's how you fix that. That's right. That's right. All the little tricks of the trade. Um, so DJ AM, AM was incredible, but like you have um, booked, promoted Open for massive festivals, um, amazing, amazing artists. We mentioned. Um, I, I know that um, I was there when you opened up for um, Cruella, which was fantastic. You've ser- shared the booth with um, Flow Rider to Nervo, um, Jazzy Jeff and Questlove. I was there for uh, Jazzy and Questlove. Those were freaking unbelievable sets. Questlove is still the best DJ set I've ever seen in really? person. Yes. So he, him, and then we opened for the Captains of the Industry years ago. Oh yeah. God, they were so good. Stone Rock and Graham Funky. Man, they were good, dude. Like that—that that was that. That night blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like that in person. Yeah, I Stone
1: did. and Graham are kind of—I guess they're known as like—they're not widely known, but they're what do you would call your DJ's favorite DJ? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. And and uh, where they where those guys based out of? Still uh, L. A. They're out of L. A. Yeah. Man, they were they were so cool and fun, but like. Um so because because of because of you I got to help open for that right yeah. it was really cool so like we had opener for the opener for the for the headliner it was just cool man getting to play for that kind of stuff big draws um packed house like um and i always i always like the the opening stuff because like if you don't know you're you're building your you your Set, putting these sets of songs together throughout to hit certain times of night when you need them, right? So you don't play the best number one song in the world at like 9 yeah. nine p.m. You wait till it gets a little bit later. Being the opening DJ is way harder than being the headliner. I love being the DJ. People don't understand DJ. that. Um,
1: but, um, and finding a good opener is almost impossible nowadays. Really? Because everybody wants to be the headliner. Everybody wants to be the headliner. They think at 10 o'clock they should just be playing the number one track out, the biggest banger they have, and mm-hmm. just burning the next guy. And you're only going to play it
0: once, Absolutely. Unless the tip's big enough. Unless they a $100. I'll play it <laughs> twice. <laughs> All right. So just for fun, I'm going to flip this piece of paper over. Um, because um, the meat and potatoes for this show today is we have a lot of um, very successful people that come in the studio and hang with me, and they tell some great stories. What um, being a musician is you're self-employed yes you're self- employed and a lot of the same things that make business people successful that start a business the the musicians that are successful are doing the exact same things yes right so um we're here to uh today we're gonna make sure that we we we, uh, we put a stamp on that and that we can that we can prove that right but um outside of that like I know Cause I, I did for, it was for years. I had residencies downtown, um, opened for you, gosh, at the hottest, uh, the, the two hottest places in from, I guess it was 2010 uh, all the way to like 2013. Op- I just had this
1: talk with Doug the other day. My opened in 2008,
0: 2008. So it was 2009 when I started yeah. opening for you there.
1: Oh wait, so 2008 to 2013 was mine and then scene mm-hmm. was 2013 to 15 ish.
0: Yes. And that was when um, that was the that was when I left. <laughs> that was when I quit doing it. But I got to open with you basically every Saturday night, Saturday night Friday Saturday night. We did some um, weekday promotions and stuff. But like literally, I got to play with you every night. Most of the time, that would be before I went to do a residency somewhere else. Yeah. But the, those two spots were the best in town. Um, nothing like them. Um, they were the only true, like, real nightclubs in Nashville at the time. It's still really the only. There hasn't been a real nightclub in Nashville since really. That's crazy.
1: I mean, you've got a couple spots, but Dirty Little Secrets is the closest thing to a true nightclub. And it's kind of more the ultra nightclub, smaller size. Where Yeah, it's just a bougie little, Mai, little boutique. You could, you could pack a thousand people in a mine. Yes. Don't tell the fire marshal, but you could. You sure could.
0: You sure could. I not, saw not that we didn't do it on a few nights. I know, a lot of nights. Yes. A whole lot of nights. So, um, you've uh, booked and opened some awesome people. Let's just let's just go through a few of those names um because like there was some massive outdoor festivals and stuff yeah. that you had a big hand in, right? So
1: Well, I think you mentioned Cruella earlier. I think they're probably the coolest story we had because the first time they played mine, they came as an opener for Rehab. Mhm. And there's maybe 50 people there. And I think they told us it was their first time they'd played outside of Chicago. Okay. And next time Cruella came to town, they played at scene. Yep. Sold out scene with 500 people inside and probably another hundred and 200 outside trying to get in. It'll bar be... marshal knocking on the door. That's right. And then the next time they came, they played uh Jackson hall, <laughs> which is a thousand plus room yep. sold it out. So to go from 50 people and nobody knowing who they were to coming in and selling out Jackson hall and, Mm-hmm. having number one song in the billboard dance chart and touring all over the world that was That's kind of right.
0: pretty cool, and they stayed
1: humble the whole time, which was
0: heck yeah, really cool heck yeah they were um their whole crew was really nice, yeah, um, they were really, really nice, so who else who was some of the other ones that uh I'm trying to think of all the day Well, we did the we did the Halloween
1: block parties, yeah where we'd shut down twelfth avenue with so we had Bush and Candlebox one year, oh yeah bush candle box i mean literally we're talking thousands of people for these yeah. outdoor ones like thousands yeah we did three six mafia one year foster the people uh-huh. that was when they were like they're, that was, they're yeah. hit that's right when pumped up kicks came out in their mm-hmm. at the height of their career um yeah those block parties were insane literally just shut down 12th avenue and put a stage at the end of the road and yeah party out there then when we shut down the outside everybody would come into my or 12th and border and mm-hmm. keep the party going
0: and it was um New Year's for a lot of those or Halloween, so it's, it could be cold. Yeah, we used to do
1: Halloween or New Year's and then we had a couple uh Life and Color or Day Glow, depending on what year it was, what their branding was.
0: Yeah, those things were huge too.
1: Just giant paint parties with the biggest electronic DJs in the world at the
0: time. Yes, that was um that was such a cool so when I when I was a... um a DJ, I started out as the push-play guy, just in the open format, but you didn't really like blend or mix or anything. You just played the right songs when they were meant to be played. Oh, I'd hate to go back and hear me in that first bar
1: I played because I had no idea what mixing was at that time.
0: You just played what people, what, if yeah. they yelled, if they screamed, the girls went, woo. Yeah, I was 100% just push-play. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So um, when... Um, when I start, first started opening for you, that was because I wanted to. I didn't quite yet know where I was going in career and everything, and like I loved music, and as a, a performer, that was a way for me to. It was a great outlet. I got to hang out. Um, but like that was when um, through you and um, and my buddy on on a Chile bond, you guys yeah. said, hey man, you like need to learn how to mix if you're gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you guys taught me all the math and um, and all the things to do that. And then like that was how I learned to do it. As you said, here's songs you shouldn't play. For these first two yeah. hours or hour and a half and like so basically we'd make a folder in a, a crate and and i would go through and pick those things and, and and it turned into a lot of fun we recorded a lot of those i remember i think i have one of the five hour mixes from scene
1: still on my laptop where you can even hear kevin and cogswell the owner of the club at the time come on the mic for some
0: reason and start oh, no. trying to hype the crowd up bless his heart <laughs> The opening night when I had I had sat over there. I'm not familiar with your gear. Um, I I was I was um, collecting on my payment for the bar tab. That was uh, that was my fee. Maybe or, paying yourself a little extra that night. Totally paid myself a little extra that night. And um, like I did most nights, but uh, I just remember you had to leave the booth for for whatever reason it was, and um, to go. I think it was to go to the front door to handle something yeah. um, because it was always a, a sounds about right a capacity issue at that place because it was awesome and. Um, And so I slide over and um, I thought I had queued up the next. As a matter of fact, you'd queued up the next song and all I had to do was push play. Well, I push play and and I'm just chilling. And then, you know, the the outro is it's just nothing but the bars. Just boom clap, boom clap. That's it. So it took me a minute to realize that, oh, that's not good. And then I realized at that point in time, I really wasn't familiar with your gear. And then the song stopped altogether. And then it was just dead silent and hundreds of people like just staring at me with that blank stare on their face um we've all been there (laughs) and you're just like and and that's when panic sets in um and uh and then i realized that there was a crossfader that had not been moved and once i moved it over i was about probably 30 to 45 seconds in it started playing the next song and then you came up you remember what you said good good job nice mix something (laughs) smooth smooth transition that's it smooth yeah smooth transition
1: there one of my go-to uh you just messed up and i noticed (laughs) phrases everybody noticed and uh,
0: that remember we were it was recorded too we had that on recording (laughs)
1: because we were talking about the mix i still do that probably twice a year still twice a year yeah it's just something where i'm not paying attention maybe feeling too good and just in there bobbing my head just listening to music in my headphones or blasting through the monitor then realize it's not actually playing to the crowd and I fixed the issue real quick. Then I start looking around like I didn't do it. Like, what's going wrong? I'll start picking cables up, looking under the
0: <laughs> DJ booth, look to the sound guy, look to the lighting guy. Be like, Did y'all do that? No, nah, it wasn't me. <laughs> you know, back in the day, there weren't sound guys like there are now for huh. everything. Like, you just plugged into the system and you went. Yeah. Or they had something there that you played that was already there, right? Um, uh, their, own, their own system, which that would always sucked. That was never any good. You always wanted to play on your own stuff. Yeah, anytime there's an issue, there's, well, oh, I guess I got to fix this on the fly now. That's right. That's right. So, all right. So, let's see if I can pick back up where we did. So, um, we've, had, we've had a lot of good times. you played some of the biggest places. What is your, um, what's your all-time favorite place that you've ever played before? I mean, hands down, it's going to be the residency at my yeah. in Nashville.
1: That Just place for was, what it was and at the time.
0: Yeah. It was a
1: big room, dude. Huge room. is also the first room in Nashville that was bridging electronic music, big room, Music with like hip hop is like the true open format room of Nashville. Yeah. And it was like right at the beginning of the explosion of the EDM scene. So you're getting hip hop, then you would also go up and get the latest,
0: most popular EDM tracks that are coming out left and right at the time. Mm hmm. That's right. Um, well, like, so we did, we did we already talked about some of your favorite uh, play, some p- favorite sets you've ever heard and and so on and so forth. So you're doing a lot of stuff in Vegas. Like so you could obviously get gigs in Nashville. Why are you going back and forth to Vegas all the time? Uh, something about a
1: paid vacation almost is how I look at it.
0: That's right. I mean you're a traveling touring. I mean I was just artist. in
1: Vegas last week just on my own just for that's all awesome. giggles. So to go out there and actually get paid to be there just a little icing on top. That's right.
0: All right. So let's get to some of the um, the meat and potatoes for for everybody right like so um we talk a lot we have a lot of um like i mentioned before a lot of successful business owners that come in um nobody i don't think anybody that we've had to date um that everybody started their their own businesses none of them were like franchise or anything like that they started their own business and um, they've gone off to do great things. There's all these things that these guys, uh, these people, I should say, these folks have in common it, with all the the bumps in the road in the beginning, the things they had to overcome, that it wasn't easy, it was extremely hard, that they had to invest almost blindly into themselves um, with with with, with um, investments, gear, um, marketing, or whatever it may be, yeah. with with no guarantee of return. Um, like, you do the exact same things. Yeah. And you have been for 20 years. Yeah. Right, so... Um, for the for the people that want to be musicians, getting started like what what's some advice? They're all going to go out and bump their heads. They're all they're going to say, "I want to do what Rod does," and it, the only way they can do what you do is if they do what you did the last twenty years. Yeah, it's just it's time. You just got
1: to put time into it. It's the whole ten thousand hour mm-hmm. thing. It's like you're just not going to be the next big headliner. You know, your first week of playing. That's right. You got to put in your dues too, which is, I think my biggest complaint about the younger guys now is not putting in the dues, like. I played in Murfreesboro, a suburb outside of Nashville, for years, forever. Got my first Nashville gig, right? And I definitely didn't deserve to play in Nashville until I put in my dues and worked my way up. It's basically like in sports, work your way through the minor league system or work your way through college before you get to the pros. Just yeah. can't go straight to the pros.
0: You're a, you're a basically a vendor, so to speak, for hire for yeah. these venues, and like they have to, you have to bring something for them to want you, right? Because they get the lot. There's a lot to choose from. Yeah, absolutely. Is the is the DJ market? very comp- is it real competitive is it pr- is it pretty full
1: it's oversaturated right now in nashville because nashville is the go-to it city for bachelorettes, like we were talking about earlier uh there's definitely i think one of my biggest complaints about nashville also is like for just the broadway bars and clubs everybody's getting paid the same no mm-hmm. matter if you start yesterday if you started 20 years ago but where you set yourself apart is getting the private gigs the corporate gigs the titans gigs the touring gigs that's where you really rise to the top and can set your price point. And I've just been lucky enough now to where
0: I can say no to gigs. I can pick and choose what I want to do. That's cool. Absolutely. When so you went from back in the day playing anywhere anybody would have you. Oh, you throw me a gig, I'll be there. That's right. And and now you you get to pick and choose the ones that you want. You get to be selective and stuff. Right. That's what.
1: That's one thing I tell younger younger guys now and girls, the ones I know they're successful, and I'm like. I know they're doing gigs they don't want to do. I'm like, you don't have to say yes to everything. Right. You can say no. It's okay to say no. Mm. There's somebody else there that can do it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're doing something you don't want to do anyways, it's not going to be as good. Or
1: you're, Everybody's going to know you don't want to be there.
0: That's right. That's right. I've had
1: many of those nights myself as well. I mean, I, I, I'm speaking for truth because I've done it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So many nights um, trying to launch a promotion or get something off the ground, playing to an empty house, a flop. Yeah. Everything flops. It's way easier to play in front of fifty thousand people than it is fifty people. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's fascinating. Most people wouldn't know like that. um, A lot of times, the 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 venue owner may not want you taking requests because they want you playing a certain thing. Like a lot of times, the venue owner will say, "These are songs you can't play." This is I want you to play these songs. Like they're specific and pretty specific instructions a lot of time. It's more of a
1: not a specific song. It's more of a don't do this genre. Stick with this genre. Stick with this mood. Mm-hmm. type deal. It's like when I play playing Virgin Pool during the summer, it's all throwbacks. It's nineties and two thousands and then somebody comes up it's like, Hey, you want to hear the song that just came out last week, everybody's gonna love it. It's like, Yeah, everybody might love it, but it's not what they want right now. That's There's right. a whole mood that's being set.
0: That's right. So it's you're in the business owner's house, they're deciding what their culture and what their identity is and, and that's what you're rocking. And they and they usually have a theme behind just about everything. Yeah, right? absolutely. What are some other misconceptions from the average person? That they will know because, again, they're partying. Your, your career, your profession is somebody else's enjoyment, right? So what,
1: what song you love listening to in your car or at home while you're getting ready to go out is not necessarily going to work in a club or bar. <laughs> right. That's a so, huge misconception because I get requests all the time and people are like, hey, what about this song? I love this song. I am like, yeah, that's great. That's a car song. I'll literally say it's a car song. Right. Like I like that song too. I listen to it in my car. It right. doesn't work for the energy I need in here.
0: That's Right. Because you are, you're, you're, the, you're the puppet master with strings. It's, it's so cool. So, a buddy of mine, um, Chris, when I first met him, I was explaining to him, like, I was like, dude, as a, I was like, one of my favorite things about being a DJ is like, you just, you can make people do things. Like, I could make people scream. I could make people yell yeah. in the excitement. I can make people go get a drink or go to the bathroom, all the things that you said before. You can make people fight if you're in the right place. That's right. That's right. Anything you want them to do. And I was like, so we actually came to uh, To see you do a private event, and I brought him up there, and we came up to boot the hangout, and I was like, I was like, just watch what he does with these people. And we stood behind you, and we watched you just move these people around. And he was just his mind was blown that you were able to do that with two turntables, yeah, and a computer with some songs in it.
1: Yeah, that's the hardest thing to teach. Is like, I think I said earlier, I can teach somebody DJ in five minutes, but teaching them what to play and when to play it, and mm-hmm. how to move the crowd around, that's the hardest part to teach. That only comes with time.
0: That's right. And that's, it's just like, how do you, uh, in, in business, how do you know when to do anything is exactly. know, knowing your audience, knowing your, knowing your customers, knowing what you need, what the business needs and all that kind of stuff. Right. You have um, to know
1: what the customer needs before the customer knows they want
0: it. That's a good one. So you're in sales is what you're telling me then.
1: If you want to say so. Yes.
0: There you go. Well, you definitely are influencing the sales. So what are some other misconceptions, um, that the average person might have when it comes to the DJ?
1: Uh, I think we mentioned actually making a career out of DJing is probably the biggest thing. And then it really just, it's the request. Mm-hmm. It's the amount of times I've said no to somebody. And it seems like it's the first time they've ever heard the word no in their life. <laughs> and they just stand there dumbfounded.
0: They take it personally, man.
1: They do. And it's like, it's a, it's a request. It's not just cause you tell me a song you want to hear doesn't mean I have to do it.
0: That's right. Especially because you're probably five or six songs ahead at any point in time. You're going in a certain direction. To, yeah. There's all these peaks and valleys to the energy you're creating, right?
1: Like if you happen to catch me at the right moment, right right BPM, right energy with the song you have, I might throw it in right then. That's right. Other times I might tell you to kick rocks and it's not happening, or I might say, some point some point between now and three A. M. you'll hear your song.
0: That's right. That's right. And you only want to play them once, right? Unless
1: once again, they have a big enough tip.
0: That's right. everybody everything's got a price, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> All right, so um, let's see. Yeah, the the requests are crazy. I um, always a joke, if I could go back in history and
1: just stop that first request.
0: Oh, yeah, dude.
1: That'd be, if I had the one magical power, that's what I'm doing.
0: The hot tub time machine. We need hot it. tub,
1: great white buffalo. <laughs> there you just go. go back. Stop that first request.
0: <laughs> well, it is, it is crazy, man. Like, um, you know, that. But I used to, when you first start, the fact that somebody would give you attention enough to come up and request a song, it was like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. But then once you actually do get good at it, and you are taking people um, on a journey of, so, of, of some sort for the night, like it is. It's like when they request something that's going to be played at midnight at 9 p.m., or they request something that like you're at a certain BM and, every BPM, and what they bring in is the total opposite. It just doesn't work. And the
1: current most popular song out doesn't need to be requested. It's going to get played. That's just right. wait.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: So we might need to say that one again. The current most popular song does not need to be requested. It will eventually be played.
0: There you go, and it doesn't matter if you and your um, your party would love to hear it right now. Also, the worst is, hey, we're about to leave. Could you play this? Oh yeah. It's like, why am I going to play it if you're about to leave? That's exactly right. Tell
1: me you're going to stay for the next three hours, and I'll play it. That's exactly right. That's Tell me exactly you're going right. back to the bar, spend more money. And that's I'll exactly. Play
0: it. That's exactly right. So, um, well, needless to say, when people go out and they party, they have a good time. A lot of times, they're um, they're not themselves. Yeah, they're under the influence. Just to say a little the least. bit. Um and uh, and and like, dude, you've helped. Like, I don't. Th- so when when I first told you I wanted to have you have you on, everybody, you, you made the jokes about I'm just a DJ, you know, whatever. Like, Rod, like DJs are responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, a year, just in liquor and or, or in uh, food and beverage sales. Yeah. Right. So like, you guys are some of the top performing salespeople of any industry on the planet. <laughs> Never really thought it like that, but if you say so. So I think there's a whole lot to talk about because I know the reason that uh, the reason that I had to have you and a select one or two other guys is because as somebody that um, that was a, a, an owner in the establish or an establishment or a manager in the establishment, like I needed the revenue to do a certain thing, and yeah. I knew you'd get it. Right, I knew you would get it. I knew that one. Everybody would talk about it tomorrow. That was the other thing is they had to talk about what you did the next day. Yeah. And they always did, but I knew dang well that, like, because that was, a, as a DJ, you always you were the one of the only people that would ask what sales were.
1: Yeah. I still do it. Every time I walk into a venue, like, I'll play Kung Fu on a Friday night, I'm there the next day doing the Saturday day shift. First thing I walk in, I ask the bartender, I was like, what were sales last night?
0: Mm-hmm. You ask them their tips, too.
1: Yeah. Like, I want to make sure they made money. I want to make sure the bar made money. That's right. Because I'm getting paid the same no matter what, so I'll make sure everybody
0: else gets their money. That's right. And that's how you keep getting... It's customer service, man. It's just like in business, dude. It, there's so many similarities between the performer or the DJ and, like, the businessman.
1: Like, with social media now, I see DJs post on Instagram, like, the DJ booth looks like the most fun place in the world. Mm-hmm. Then you can see the crowd's just kind of standing there, and I'm always curious. I'm like, I want to ask the GM or the manager, be like, what were sales that night? That's right. DJ booth looks like fun, but what the rest of the room do?
0: That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, we have... Uh, one of the most um, entertaining things that we see on a weekly basis is when, we, when, we, when people make their comments on some of the things that we say on the show or some of the clips that we release later. Can't wait for the comment. Uh, oh my goodness. Like the, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some folks that are going to be like, DJs ain't nothing, whatever. Like, but like seriously, prove me wrong. I'm right here. Like the, like DJs are responsible for literally hundreds of millions, if not billions <laughs> of dollars in food and beverage sales across the world. Right, there's something that's a universal language that you guys are doing in music. Um, you got to know it. You got to have. Um, you got to have access to a lot. You got to have access to one. Get booked. You got to have access to the um, to the training. You got to have access to the to the sounds, the music, and and like you're working, like especially when you're doing a big event like New Year's, you're timing things down to a clock. Yeah. Like you're queuing all. Uh, you're queuing queuing cryo. You're queuing lights. You, a lot of DJs control the lights in a lot of places. Yeah, that's
1: one thing I miss, about, Back in the days, like you had the light controller right there. You had the, mm-hmm. sometimes you had access to the cryo.
0: That's right. It's like you basically ran the whole room. That's right. The whole thing. And it made and it made a lot of fun. It was a lot, I remember the first time that, because it would, um, you know, Doug was one of the, he was really good at lights. Yeah. Um, but he was one of the few owners that t- had enjoyment in that. And like that was the first time that I That's played. That's why my
1: was so successful. He, he loved owning a club and being in the club and being hands on and put money back into his business. That's right. Which is the biggest mistake I see is, people aren't putting money back into their business. That's
0: right. He was, um, I learned
1: the way le- till something actually falls apart and breaks. Yes. Rather than just, it's a whole lot less money. If you just fix things as they go or put money back in as you go, rather than just wait till it all builds up at once.
0: One thing that I learned from him was, um, and he told me that he didn't even do it on purpose, but realized it was happening and just kept it going is when they first, um, built out my, that when you open, it's usually not finished. Yeah. It's like 80 or 90% done. And he said, um, like, every, over the first year that we were going in there, it, it was like there was always something new. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was just, and I was like, dude, every time I come in here, something's different. Like, sometimes I come in just to see what you did next. He was like, yeah, I didn't realize that I was doing that for a while, and now it's just something we're going to keep doing. Yeah. Um, so he was always keeping, that. like, you walked in, and some, a bar would be moved, or lights were different, or, a de- like, the DJ booth moved so many times. That's probably um, one of the biggest mistakes I see from
1: owner-operators is just not adding to their business. There you go. They're just like, hey, we're open. Come in. Yeah. And then wheels fall off, and next thing you know, they're asking questions why we're, why revenue's down. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You opened the door three years ago. Have you done anything different? Just expect people to show up, and it's the same thing every time. And Especially yeah. in Nashville, where a new bar is opening every few weeks now.
0: Yeah. It, it seems like that. Like everywhere you turn, it's a new one. Yeah, they're all cool. They're all nice. I haven't been to half of them yet.
1: Yeah, neither have I. Unless I've been paid to be there. <laughs> I only go where, where the places you're at. I don't go out unless I get paid to be there.
0: That's right. Um, with the um, one of the things that made um, Rhea and I successful in in uh, in the insurance industry is the the marketing and promotional skills that we learned in the in the hospitality industry because yeah. it's especially back in those days, like the best promoter usually won. You know, um, because like. It was a bar you had to pass out cards with your name on them and then, yes, ...had the most cards come in with somebody's name. That's right, that's right. Even as the, the DJ, like if you didn't have a, a guest list, like that wasn't, that wasn't a good thing. If you didn't have a guest yes. list, you needed to be a draw, right? I just had a conversation with somebody a few weeks ago talking about how
1: DJs now there's not a draw DJ in Nashville. I don't even, there's not even really draw DJs in the U.S. anymore, besides the hard ticket sales like a Tiesto or Calvin Harris or somebody like that, right? But just your average DJ they're not there to bring people in they're there to keep the people they're there to keep
0: the customers happy that you do have okay so it's less of a draw down more about um just customer service yeah okay well that makes that makes sense so how do you go from like so um, I would say that, like, I can tell you that next weekend, a week from this weekend, you're a draw because there's some guys that are going out to Vegas yeah. to see you, right? So, um, but like, what? So, how do you go from being a draw to how do you make the change to to mainstream as a DJ? How do you become famous, so to speak? There's more air quotes they can't see. I saw the air quotes. That's all that matters. Uh, air quoting the famous mainstream.
1: It's more along. Honestly, all mine's been dumb luck. Just somebody stumbles across hearing me somewhere and then. Mm-hmm. Gets a bigger gig from that. It's all somebody comes in, hears me, likes what I did, and then offers me a better job, better opportunity, and then yeah. on to the next one.
0: Because you've played for um, in front of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Um, to quote Bon Jovi, seen a million faces and I rocked them all. That's right, baby. We got to give Bon Jovi one, don't we? Um, well, dude, it's. Um, I was re- I was really excited because like um, I was telling uh, I was telling the telling the creative team like some of the stories like you guys know me as who we are who we are today but like the. This guy knows a different version, not as good of a version, but a different one. Uh, oh, it was a good version. <laughs> there's, uh, I mean, it was probably not. It's financially good back then. No, it was it was financially um, horrible. That was the uh, Gene Splitter era of yes. Nick Hyder. Yes, it was the Gene Splitter era. Um, so. uh, We're just going to leave that one right there. I I just rolled right past that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, we definitely, um, Rhea and I saw a lot of uh, self-improvement from from those days. We um, all have. Well, it was like, but you were able to do it. You know, I had to leave it. I had to leave it to go start over and and kind of reinvent myself a little bit. You've been able to stay in it. um, Well, I was doing a nine-to-five for five years until the pandemic hit also. That's true. Nine to five, but you were also doing...
1: Um, I was doing nine to five with a full-time DJ schedule.
0: With a full-time DJ schedule. But even the nine to five, it was in... It was still in video production, still, in, that's still right. in the same area. So you have expertise in, in that as well. So you can, you can build walls, you can map stuff, you can um, create content. I can't can, do much I can just sell it. You can sell it. There <laughs> you go. Hey, man, revenue's C- king. Call me, call me with your dream and I'll figure it out. There you go. You know the people to do it, yeah. right? That's awesome. Delegate. Um, well what's like what's next for um, well oh I was going to ask you so you have a um, if, if people want to go and hear some of uh, the mixes that you record live or produce on your own you have a Mixcloud account right Yes um and tell me it's it's Mix it's Mixcloud and it's DJ Rod Yuri Yes on Mixcloud right You just download
1: the Mixcloud app anywhere you get your apps from your iPhone or however Google stuff does it
0: Yep and uh, and and get your Mixcloud and and check out Rod so um, what's uh, what's the next Like, what's the next 12 months look like for you? What are some of your goals? Any things you want to... Well, speaking of cloud, one of the biggest things I'm
1: trying to do for 2022 is actually put out a new mix every month because I dropped the ball bad last year. People hit me up for mixes. I'm like, well, I've got these older ones you can listen to. They're a couple years old, but still sound good, but really need to just put more content out. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest thing for
0: 2022 for personal side. Do you do... um, Do you like... When you're putting out content, do you have – is there, like, any camera guys following you around doing anything, shooting live footage or anything if like I that? If I know
1: I'm going into a gig that's going to be pretty high-energy and good-looking venue, I might bring a camera crew with me, mm-hmm. let them get some sizzle reel stuff and yeah. roll from there.
0: Well, one thing I will say about reinventing ourselves, because, like, you know, we were talking about the jeans putting days. And,, um, I mean, because I was probably 35, 40 pounds heavier back then. I was probably 100 pounds heavier. You were a lot heavier back then. Yes. so like like seriously, it's like, like when I said Fiona over my bio and I looked at it and realized, oh, I need to change the picture on that. Dude, like he's half the human that he was not that long ago, like just a couple of years ago, I, I guess was, right? I was about 310 in that picture. I was like, ooh,
1: I instantly just messaged my graphics guy I was like, let's change this picture out real quick.
0: Well like so why did you why did you go like you were obviously you're you were getting gigs, you were doing everything, the weight didn't have anything to do with any of that stuff. Yeah, but like what uh, what made you decide to to lose hundred pounds?
1: Honestly, pandemic, uh lost the DJing, everything shut down there and then my nine to five was in the production world, so production world shut down, so I had free time and just needed to get out of the house and clear my head And I wasn't gonna go crazy. So started going out, walking on the greenway and then started noticing drop a pound here, drop a pound there, and I was like maybe I can actually, there's something behind this to so actually commit to it. Mm-hmm. Like for years I've been, mm. you know, kind of watching what I ate, but still being the fat kid at heart and would yeah. still eat whatever I wanted certain times. So mm-hmm. just, it was all mental. Just got
0: locked into it. So um, like it, for you, it was just a, a decision that was in your mind that once you committed to it and you just stayed with it and then bam. Yeah, me and
1: Jeremy, my buddy, he was in the same boat I was as another DJ and we are going to go crazy if we weren't out doing something. So we just both started walking and mm-hmm. we ended up losing about 70 pounds and I ended up losing right out of hundred almost. Dang. That's awesome, dude. Well, well it is mainly just, we talk about it all the time. It is this 100%. Well, we'll say 99%. It's mental. That's right. Just locking in on it and committing to it and sticking to it.
0: Mm. That's anything, man. Absolutely. That's anything. And people don't understand that. Like, that's the thing is like, it's just, um, it's today is it's, we're almost to February. I wonder how many people have already quit on their New Year's resolutions by now. 80%? At least. If not more? I would say at least. It's sad. It really is. That's why you
1: always joke is like, the people who do actually go to the gym consistently don't
0: want to go the beginning of the year. That's right. Because it's packed with a whole bunch of people that ain't going to be there in a month. Yep. Exactly. Mm. Mm -hmm. What are... um, I don't know, man. What's some... I guess we could... Um, I guess we could let the folks in on some on some stories from back in the day. Um I mean, you wanna give details of your gene splitting? Um, I, you know, I, I, got, I did it, so I'm 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 not necessarily proud of it, but I I I did it, so I'll own it. So yeah, sure, man. We could talk about anything you want. I mean you, um, had, you had a bit of a
1: spell there. It was always like monthly, just different pair of jeans just
0: It was brutal.
1: Split at the most in Opportune area of jeans.
0: It was it was always um, stepping on the stage yeah. with the high step, but then that's how poor I was. Is I couldn't like, jeans dry rot after you've washed them so many times, right? You know what I mean? So like they were literally like red uh, brown paper bags. I could probably find some pictures if you want to <laughs> upload them with the uh, podcast, <laughs> maybe some cover art. Well, do we had? Um, I loved probably one of my favorite times um, in the booth. So there was a, a retro club that I just absolutely loved, just because it was. Um, I, it it was just hard to go that hard. Yeah, like the, the, as that place, decades was the name of it. And it is it was just one that was my favorite genre of music, and people just went absolutely ballistic in there. It was an unbelievable party. But outside of that, um, I loved uh, my was by far the best room. But scene, I loved opening at scene, um, just because like I got to play for you'd let me play for an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, um, which is a long time. And um, and then because uh, you were good enough. I got to play songs that a lot of open, other openers might not get to do because you'd like, I'd be like, hey man, can I rock this And You'd be yeah. like, yeah, you can have that one tonight. And that was kind of cool. So I'd get a little, I'd get to feel it a little bit. I mean, as long as you, I think
1: at the time it was like, don't play Turn Down for What? That's it. That was like the biggest song out at the time is like, yep. just don't play this right now.
0: That's right. And then I would
1: usually just make that my very first song. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way.
0: There you go. And rock it out. The, um, that was the first play, my was the first place that you, we took requests, but it's like you, somebody had to know how to get to you. That's um, what I love about my is like,
1: if we acknowledged your presence from the stage, we could talk to you. If not, you had to, like, work your way through a staircase, go to the VIP area, get come to another VIP
0: area, then come through the back door to the DJ booth. <laughs> so, folks, if you're waving at the DJ and they're not acknowledging you, they do see you? Oh, absolutely, we see you.
1: <laughs> it's an art form to uh, just ignore people.
0: That's right, and it's, a, and it's a choice. Yes. And it's a choice, but they're busy, man. They're not just up there pushing buttons. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, there's um, – there's stuff for management going on. Like that was the other thing is if it would start to get a little bit rowdy, the manager might come up and be like, "Hey man, we need to bring it back a little bit." Yeah. Um, there's just so much that goes into that. That I was really interested to um, to, to making sure we get into today for the folks because like as a as a person that that managed and owned them, gosh, I did. You've bartended too. You've done everything like I have, everything under the ro- under the sun in a place. But like nobody knows what's going on. They're just there to party. Yeah. And they think that's all they we're, that we're doing too. Yeah, DJ,
1: you've got to be responsible for the whole room. you got to, you also got to play security. A lot of times you see stuff happen before security does, and you got to get somebody's attention, maybe change the music up If you feel like mm-hmm. switching up the genre might bring down the energy of the room a little bit. Yeah. You can see DJ's really just the bird's eye view of the whole club. Yes. Usually.
0: Yes. As an introvert, I always loved it because like that was how I got away. That's how I ended up in the DJ booth in the first place is that's how I got away from people. Yeah. And I thought, dang, this is cool. I got this whole spot to myself. Yeah, I always say I'm, I'm an introverted extrovert. There you go. My job is an extrovert, but I'm an actually introvert. Yes, because I, I I hated being in the middle of the crowd, getting bumped around and everything. It just
1: Yeah, the few times I do go out, I go straight to the DJ booth, go say what's up and stay there. That's, keep me out of the crowds.
0: That's it. That's it. Well, luckily for for us, every time that we get uh, we bring some of the team out or whatever, you let us bring them up to the booth and we get to hang always. out with you. It's a good it's a good time, man. you,
1: should, you always bring a shot too. So it's
0: absolutely, awesome. and I'm gonna be bringing you one um, next weekend, <laughs> or two, or four.
1: Four, four might get
0: ugly. Yeah, it not, we don't we don't get after it like we're used to. No, nah, we've grown up, haven't we? Um, well, dude, it's it's so cool because um, you've been. A Tennessee Titans resident, you've been on tour with some of the biggest uh, the biggest names in country music. Um, you've like Vegas is the ultimate destination as a resident, as a resident artist of any kind. Yeah, that's like the highest level. I just want to move up the level of places I'm playing in Vegas. That's probably
1: a 2022 goal. Also,
0: yeah. Um, well, like, I mean, where? Uh, so Resort World. Yeah. in in Vegas, brand new, brand new, open last summer. And it's absolutely incredible. It's beautiful. Um, and uh, you have a residency in one of the spots in, in Resorts World. So, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like it. I mean, that's I mean, a big deal. Yeah. What's your favorite spot to play right now, Nashville or Vegas? Mm, I think it's
1: Virgin Hotel Sunday night pool during the summer. Mm-hmm. Play that sunset oh, yeah. that time, and the pool looks west. Yep. So we're staring straight at the sunset. Wow. And Sunday nights is all house music and disco house. So it's 100% just pure vibes. Yep. It's one of those places where it's like, you come make a request, we don't care. We're here to just set the vibe and that's
0: it. That's it. That sounds like a good time. We're
1: DJing right next to the pool, just looking straight out to the sunset.
0: That's awesome. Working with a view. A lot of people pay a lot of money to do that.
1: Yeah, people come through all the time like, I can't believe this view. I'm like, I'm up here three days a week. just That's awesome. I take it for granted, but... That's awesome. I see those sunsets. I'm like, this is why I do it.
0: Mm-hmm. I may have asked you this before. Um, what's the the coolest event you've ever done?
1: Mm, I mean, obviously, being on tour with Rascal Flatts was amazing. Just standing on stage every night in front of fifteen thousand people, mm-hmm. playing playing the music right before Rascal Flatts walked out.
0: Yep, warming the crowd up, getting them ready.
1: Literally, last song, I brought down my fader for my last song, and Rascal Flatts walked on stage. We passed each other going off on and off stage.
0: How about that? That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. And shockingly,
1: never once met him, though. Really? Never said a single word to him. Wow. The whole tour, did 25 or 30 dates, never shook anybody's hand.
0: Holy cow. So, well, I'm going to blame them for that. Well, (laughs) uh, obviously,
1: I'm not going to approach them
0: sure they well the the new so the ride that we that sits in front of me today was that was a while ago right so the ride that sits in front of me today um knowing what you know and doing what you do would you would you shake their hand today
1: i would i would approach
0: them there you go right that was also
1: my first tour so i was like all right i'm just gonna you're
0: just trying to be polite man i was
1: staying out of the way that's it i know what my job was i go do my job and get out of the way
0: so um dj's you're you're in the public eye. Um, you're in a place where um, most a lot of people wear their their best when they when they come to do those things. You have I have to mention the shoe collection. <laughs> I was we wondering, I was wondering if that was going to come up. Oh my gosh, bro! People just I've, I'm I'm sure that there's people that have more. I've oh, never seen. Absolutely, it. there
1: are because I follow them on Instagram.
0: I mean, like, but what if, if you were like you're you got to be in the top two or three percent? No, and well, I mean, according
1: according to StockX, the shoe buying app. My collection's top one percent, but top
0: one percent. All right, so hold on. By shoe collection. I mean, we're talking. We're not talking like Johnson and Murphy penny loafers or something, right? What are we talking about? Uh, here? No, they're all Nikes and Jordans and a few uh, Yeezys sprinkled in there. Nikes, Jordans. So, uh, what what Nikes? What Nikes are your go to? Uh,
1: Air Maxes are my go to. Air Maxes. Nike.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah! How many pairs of Jordans do you have?
1: Uh, Jordans are probably. I guess Jordan's probably up around 150 or so.
0: So there you go, Fiona, 150 pairs of Jordan. Jo- Fiona loves Jordan. So um, I know you don't have a microphone, but they'll be able to hear. What's the, what's the ones you got for Christmas that you love? I got the AJ1 OG Dark bunkers. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. nice pair. Yeah, see, I knew y'all would speak that language. Yeah. Um, so And you have an unbelievable room just for these, just for your shoes. Yeah, I'm probably up around 300 in total pairs. 300 total pairs of shoes and there how many of them have you not worn yet
1: not that many i try to wear i try to wear everything i might definitely look at the forecast and see where i'm going for the day before i wear some some shoes but that's try to wear everything
0: because you got to keep them crisp
1: so the pair i'm wearing today is the first time i've worn them
0: okay so what are those
1: off-white air max
0: 90s off-white air max 90s that's the ones that you have a lot of pairs of right too how many pairs of air max 90s do you have Uh, probably up around 50 60 70 i don't know dang dude and they're all in in the room you've got so t- describe the room for the, for everybody like it's, it's unbelievable it's, co- it's so cool well I converted my bonus room into my sneaker closet and
1: thanks to the container store and their drop front shoe boxes container store if you're listening feel free to send me a discount there you go uh, put up a 300 container store drop front shoe boxes so they're all in display boxes now mm-hmm. out of the original shoe boxes and then during the pandemic me and my buddy Mike Chow put up a LED lighting behind all of them. So they all light up now, <laughs> change colors and set
0: music to the beats. And that's awesome. I got my DJ set up in that room also. So mm-hmm. that's where you shoot, record your mixes, right yeah. when you're not recording live. All right. So what's the, um, what's the, what's the top three pairs of Jordans that you got that you, that you like the most, the mo- either the most either a your uh, favorite or just, they're the most unique. My favorite pair is always going to be the
1: black cement three. Okay. This was my first pair of Jordans I ever had when I was in fourth grade.
0: Okay. So I'm a little emotional value to that. Yeah. It's right? definitely right.
1: my favorite pair. I have five or six pairs of those. Those are my go to beaters. Right on. And also, if you've been over there, the giant shoe box I have, it's of that shoe.
0: Okay. Right on. It's even
1: got the size six on it, which was my first pair in fourth grade.
0: Okay. Heck yeah, that's awesome. Um what are some of the uh what's the what's another pair that um that uh so what's your favorite Jordan model? The three. The three? Yeah. I'm trying to think of which one is mine. I'm not a shoe guy, so I'm not sure. But I have I have two pairs of Jordans. Yeah, two, you got two. the.
1: I know you got those fives. I got the fives. Three I think the fives. sixes are my
0: favorites. Sixes and seven. I
1: think we've had conversations. You do like sixes.
0: Yeah, the sixes and sevens are my favorite. And uh, the which one? Which ones were the Olympic ones? Sevens. The sevens. Yeah, those are the ones that I want next. Is the seven, is those? I love those. Those are one of my favorite ones. How many pairs of those exactly do you have? Two. Two of those? Yeah, I've got the original, and then they came out with a reverse colorway, and I've got those also. So what's the difference between the original versus the the, the re-releases?
1: Uh, a lot of times, it's, if you have the original from, I guess the that would have been 92, mm-hmm. they're obviously falling apart by now, but there's slightly different in the toe box design and just very intricate details that only sneaker snobs notice hmm But I'm all for the re-releases. Yeah.
0: That way I can keep wearing them. That's right. That's right. Because you do. you got to keep them clean, man. Yeah, absolutely. you got to keep them clean. Like Most of them don't even look like they've been worn. No. If you look... Really, the only time
1: you can tell is if you look at the sole.
0: Yeah. How do you keep them from wrinkling when you're walking? Uh,
1: that's probably just my duck walk I've developed over the years.
0: So it's a, it's a special type of way you walk to keep them that just way. Just try
1: not to bend your toes as much when you're walking.
0: Oh, my gosh. And you're wearing them downtown. I'd be freaking out. Yeah,
1: probably... It's probably gonna end up causing me issues later on in my hips or something <laughs> flat foot walking so much.
0: Well, let's see. Um well the um obviously, you know, as a as a performer, um fashion is part of your identity yeah. and um everybody kn- everybody knows you for your shoes. Yeah. because um, it's unbelievable. Um you also have um well used to when you were um Rod two X, you had an unbelievable t shirt collection. It's a it's getting back up there. Is it? Yeah. So what'd you do? Like, how much material did you let go of? Did you give to Goodwill? and Oh, stuff it's when you disgusting. And I'm still doing it. I'm
1: still cleaning closets out, and still have piles of clothes that I need to take to somewhere. So if anybody knows a good
0: place to donate clothes, feel uh-huh. free to reach out. I mean, and all these. This is all top-notch stuff. So, well, dude, it's um, it's it's really cool as a as a performer, as a DJ, um, one to understand the science of what it is that you're actually doing to be to be relevant, because like so much time goes into. Um, you have to preview tracks, download them. Um, when you're playing remixes, you have to decide if it's the one you want to work with. Because how many versions of one song might there be of a hit song today? Oh, It's it's obnoxious. I could pull up a Rihanna
1: song right now and scroll for through 80 different versions of it.
0: 80 different versions of it. And and um, obviously, you've done your research to know which one... Because you could play one version early in the night versus another version later in the night, if you want to, based on how it hits. That's the way. I'm only ever, ever going to play a track twice.
1: I'll just play a different version of it.
0: Okay, right on. The um, you remember back when mashups became? Oh yeah, um, kind of cool. That was what um, I guess, AM didn't he didn't pioneer those, but he did a lot of mashup type things, didn't he? You could put him as like one of pioneering pioneering guys in the
1: mashup genre. Okay, that was so. Um, but I would say so Crookland Kr- Clan were the ones who really took uh, mashups to the mm-hmm. next level because they started the website where you could actually purchased their remixes of the mashups right on so they made them more readily
0: available to DJs throughout the country. So DJs are on tour with um artists, gosh, even back in the nineties and early two thousands, even rock bands had a DJ on stage with them. Oh yeah, the whole was it, uh, hip hop and metal, like the Limp Biscuits and mm-hmm.
1: they had a DJ, Sugar Ray had a DJ. Yep. Yeah, all those guys back then. Linkin Park had a DJ.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are um like when you see on the award shows and all that kind of stuff, are those guys really playing when they're DJing these things? It depends. Okay.
1: I've seen some, and I took a screenshot one time and called him out. not going to mention him on the podcast, but he literally didn't have a single cable plugged into any of his equipment.
0: Oh, uh, That's like not plugging in your guitar. At least, if you're going to fake it, at least plug it in. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's terrible. Back in, so back in like 2013, 14, there was all kinds of social, inst- uh, uh, social media clips floating around with guys that were doing that stuff, and they'd be up there moving around. And yeah. It, it wasn't plugged in.
1: I mean, there's still, if you go to the, some of the bigger electronic festivals, the way they're programmed, lighting, video, mm-hmm. there's almost no way of getting around some of those being pre-mixed sets, yeah. the way everything's time-coded and queued, there's no way around it.
0: Do, so one thing that used to be those flying are, around.
1: Those are absolutely the biggest of the biggest DJs, though.
0: That's right. So do, do a lot of DJs that might be, so if you go, I don't know, somewhere on Broadway tonight. Is there a chance that DJ just pushed play on a pre record on a mix he recorded somewhere else and just if, standing back there faking it? If you walk in and there's three people in the room, yes. That's what's happening. Because I did it the other day. All
1: right. There you go. I literally there, nobody had shown up yet and started at noon and mm-hmm. just put a mix on that I made before. Yep. At least I took credit. I made the made the mix that I was playing.
0: Yep. And I set the bar and was watching football until people showed up and I started playing. First 15, 20 minutes back when I was playing was always something. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to hang out. and. I mean, we used to always do it
1: back in the day. Just put a mix on, go set the bar, and wait for wait enough for people to minutes. show up. And we'd be like, all right, I guess I'm go play now. What else? Because um, it's so awkward just DJing to nobody.
0: It really is. Um, it really is. It's weird. It's weird. All right, so... Um, Blackout DJ, Tennessee Titans DJ, been on tour. We covered some of your um, some people you've played with, open for some of the best in the business, biggest in the business. Um, in 2020, you're looking to um, ra- you're looking to go in bigger places as residencies residencies in in Vegas. Yeah, um, you're already playing all the biggest spots in Nashville. Yeah, so there's really nowhere nowhere else to go from there. Um, need some can- new spots to open in Nashville. We need some new spots to open in Nashville. Well, I'm not going to be one that does it. I'm out. I'm out. Um, but okay. I'll, come you you <laughs> I'll come watch you anywhere you want to play. Don't blame um, me. It's a headache. I'll come watch you anywhere you want to play. Dude, is there anything else besides like – so you covered a lot of really good stuff about like mindset, about consistency, about work ethic promotion. Um, like it's – in the entertainment thing, it's hard to get to uh, – or it would be um, – it wouldn't be fair to everybody if we got too technical and too business related, yeah. right? So we gotta tell some stories and the entertainment factor, but like I don't I just I I don't know, man. Like maybe also throw in there. Be humble. Be humble? Yeah. Right on.
1: Your right head on. shouldn't I don't care what gig you have, you're not
0: that good. There you go. You're not better than the next guy. There you go. Mm, that's a good one. We gave him one right there. So um if the folks want to come see you in person, um, what's, the, what's your next? So, it's, what's February and March look like for you? Uh, I've got two trips to Vegas. I'm going out to Doghouse, be
1: out there next week or this week when you're listening. With, yep. You'll be out there with, with me. And then going back out there, I think around March 10th. Okay. Then so, you're
0: booked out months, yeah.
1: months in advance for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And then every weekend, you can basically find me at either Virgin Hotel or W or Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Here in Nashville, if I'm in town, then
0: so you're working four or five, six nights or days a week.
1: Basically, I'm cramming, I'm working three days a week, but I'm cramming six gigs in. Six usually, gigs in usually got a day gig, then I'll go home, chill for a little bit, eat dinner, and then go back and do the late
0: night gig and do that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. The it's amazing to me how the time slots have changed. Back in the day, it was like nine to three. Yeah, back in the day, it was like all you had was your one,
1: one late night shift. That was it. There's no daytime gigs like now you can go to broadway at noon and there's a dj playing mm-hmm. and you can if you really wanted to cram your schedule you
0: could do three four sets a day that's cool that's cool because the sets aren't as long and there's just the market's so much better Yeah, you can start you can start djing at noon and be done at three in the morning if you wanted to there you go it's it's dude how wild is it downtown right now in nashville it's insane you can go out there we can drive down there right now broadway's gonna be busy that's crazy that's crazy well, they always said that um, corporate was coming. We were the little guys there. Oh, well, it's all corporate now on the corner, and it's 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 a better product, quite frankly. It's, yeah. it's it's they. I mean, they've got it down to a science. It's awesome. They did it better than I ever did. I mean, the
1: one building on Broadway just sold for twenty million more than what they paid for it four years ago. It's crazy. Make a twenty million dollar profit in four years. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, crazy. And they're demoing stuff. Here's the keys. Take it. I'm selling. Them. That's crazy. It's crazy, dude. It's a good time. It's a good time. Anybody? So any 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 guys that are looking to become a DJ? Any any final advice for besides take your licks? Like if you'll get if you can get take a gig, your legs, play? Put in the time. Be humble. Um, you gotta love music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like so, you played. At, you rehearsed at home all the time, right? You were always playing when you first started. Yeah, absolutely. So it wasn't just when you had a gig. You were playing. How many? How many? How For every three-hour gig you played how many hours of practice when you first started do you think you were doing uh
1: for every three-hour gig i did back in the day i was probably playing at home for three hours so it's
0: at least one for one yep at least and then that's and now you probably you're when you're not recording mixes like you do a lot so if people want to um to call you and and pay you to make them a mix that's something you can produce and and send to them for their own stuff as well right i did quite a bit of that during the pandemic that's right. Okay. So how would they, um, if, if somebody wanted to get you to, to make them something, how would they contact you to get that?
1: Uh, is just, just, reach out to me on my socials. They're all at DJ Rod
0: Yuri. So, um, the biggest two are, uh, Instagram and Twitter, right? Yeah. Instagram's uh, easiest. Just Instagram slide into easy. the DMS. Boom. Slide into the DMS, Instagram at DJ Rod Yuri. And, um, and again, if you're in Vegas, I'll be at Doghouse. Pop popping. Where can they check your schedule? If you want to, um, uh, same, it's on socials or, uh, you are good about putting that, posting that like all Yeah, the I time. post my schedule weekly. Every single week. And um, did I miss your website?
1: I use the uh, Just One Link website. There you which go. Which is forward slash DJ Rod Erie. Perfect. It's all Perfect. all grouped together, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook. They're all just right there one click away.
0: So for 2022, you're going to be uploading more um, uploading more material. Yeah, try and get more content out. More content. Um, and, uh, like to, and then, like, like to, I say. I'd like to lock down one more tour before I get too old. There you go. Um, well, you're in the mix for that, dude. Um, and
1: uh, Yeah, no, I know. I was down to the final two on one right before the pandemic hit. So
0: Really? who Can you say who that was with? I'll tell you all fair. All right, cool. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, sweet, man. Anything else? Anybody? Um, who's, who's new to the game that's, that's, that's uh, raising eyebrows that you like out there right now? Man. Are there any old guys left?
1: Oh, all all the old guys are still left. Really?
0: Yeah. Good for them.
1: Yeah, Jazzy Jeff's still out playing mm-hmm. every weekend. That's all. Still awesome. a beast.
0: Little John's still doing it, any? he?
1: Yeah, Little John, he just played the Raiders game, I think, two weeks ago. Dude, I love listening to him. He's so much fun. He's he's totally opposite to what you see when a,
0: you get him for a DJ set. Right on. He can do the open format thing. That's awesome. How cool is that? Well, any other new guys that you love out there right now? Uh, man, that, that one put me on the spot.
1: Uh... I would say probably, not necessarily new, but somebody you haven't heard of is a Fade, F-A-E-D. Okay. It's a DJ Five and Eric Deluxe out of LA and Vegas. Right on. They're kind of along the lines of a, your favorite DJ's favorite DJ type okay. of situation. Yeah. They play all the big spots in Vegas and LA. That's awesome. I think they have a show on Sirius on Diplo Station.
0: Okay. So um, have you ever played on... On serious before? I know Silver I, I, had, uh, he had... He's done a lot of spots in there. I yeah, Silver's on
1: Pitbull Station pretty regularly. That's cool. That's fantastic. Maybe that's, a, maybe, maybe that's something I'll do in 2022.
0: That's a, I mean, it's a big deal.
1: That's I mean, a real Pitbull's big deal. Pitbull's making a comeback. Yes, he is. That new song has got a banger. It is a banger, isn't it? And I was hating on him for a couple years just making soccer mom music. Yes. Um, as this song came out, I was like... Dang it, I actually like this song.
0: Dude, everybody used to hate on Pitbull back in the day. I just, I always loved playing his tracks, so they were freaking huge. That was the heyday of Pitbull back
1: then. Yes.
0: It was like every third song might have Pitbull in it. Pitbull
1: and Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we definitely did not go to Deja Vu with Will I Am one night.
0: Oh, man. I guess that's probably not, We I guess we can't talk about that too much. Maybe that's for Al- episode two. Allegedly. 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 Episode two, we're going to talk about allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. All alleged nights. That's cool, man. Well, folks, it's just like anything else that we're doing. Like, if it's something that you want to do, um, if you're waiting for somebody else to, to call you and give you the opportunity, you got to go out there and create it. You got to get good at your craft. He's obviously very skilled. He's developed a skill set for what he does. He knows. Uh, he knows what the market is in need for. He knows what the why he's hired to and what the job is to do. He takes a lot of pride in it. He follows up. That's the biggest thing that people don't do is follow up. I think one of the biggest
1: things also is like my New Year's Eve gig. I got booked at the W and the guy literally just said he booked me. Well, I've, I've done plenty of gigs for him, but he was like, I booked you because I know I don't have to worry about you. You're going to show up, you're going to do your job, and you, I don't have any worries. I can That's just it. leave that whole aspect of the night alone. There's other things i got to worry about. That's it. The DJ, is a, DJ is not something I have to worry about tonight. So mm. DJ, awesome. at the end of the day, it's, it's a job. You have to treat it as a job.
0: That's right. It's a job you are for hire. And until you are uh until you have a top forty hit somewhere, you yeah, are for hire. Until somehow I can find that retirement fund. There you go. Well dude, I p I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past you, man. Well like I say, um DJ Rod yuri he is um he has put on some of the largest festivals in the city of Nashville in the last twenty years. Um whether you were responsible for the booking, the the um the The management of it, or you were playing when it might have booked the porta potties, or you never know. Of, you never know. You never know. They were the ones with the with the DJ in the middle in the back, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, you and uh, you're you're a member of an elite group called Blackout DJs, right? Yes, which is a, which is a booking agency. So that's another way they can find you if yes. they if they wanted to book you, right? They could go through that. Um, and um, are, I don't know. Are you going to be doing any more NFL stuff or anything like that in the future? Uh, I don't know. It was...
1: And if the, doing the tight stuff was a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. You got there at 8 in the morning for a noon kickoff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because they got to get everything plugged in. and You got to get set up, sound
1: checked, and you got a production meeting at 9, gates at 10. You got to be playing at 10.01.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All the pregame, the players had requests. Players had requests, and ownership would send you a request depending on how the game went. Like, literally, you could play one song one week. It's great. They lose the next week. You're not allowed to play that song anymore. <laughs> it went like that occasionally.
0: That's awesome, dude. Well, everything everything has a purpose, especially on the uh, on the big stage. Well, dude, it was. Um, I can't thank you enough for for hanging with me today. Like um, outside of uh, our first technical difficulty, I don't yeah. want to say it too much because people remember it. But like um, um, this has been this has been fantastic. I just like the fact that you
1: noticed the te- technical difficulty as we were discussing. A technical difficulty. That's
0: exactly right. And um, long story short, literally, we had a. Fiona and I were talking um, some production stuff yesterday, and and we were just talking about how like we're due for that for every. It happens to everybody. Yeah. It happens to everybody, and we're doing. We were talking about knock on wood. We knocked on it. Everything raised the right leg, knocked three times, and said it's it's uh, it hasn't happened to us. And um, but I appreciate you at working with us on that and uh, oh, no getting us fired back up and picking things right back up where we had left off. So that was good because uh, luckily for us, we'd only gone for like four or five minutes before we realized it had quit. Yeah, I had a lot of fun today. I was, when you hit me up about doing this, I was reluctant. I was like, what do I talk about, <laughs> dude? You got. I'm serious. We could go on forever, but like you're you're you got to get booked. If you don't if you don't play. You ain't getting paid, right? Exactly. So, um, like, you got to keep a busy schedule. you got to be on top of it. Like, you book your own schedule for the most part. Yeah. 99, you're, 99% of my schedules booked by myself. And you're telling the promoters if you can or can't?
1: I was lining flights up before I walked out the door to come over here. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. Well, folks. Um, Southwest, if you're listening, we need that third nonstop to Vegas. We sure do. Holy cow. It's brutal. They took it off the schedule for some reason. Well, they definitely need to put it it's back. Either, it's either you fly at 6 a.m. or 7 at night. That's it. That middle of the day one's gone.
0: The middle of the day's gone. Well, we're going to do the early one to come see you, and we're going to do the late one to come home. <laughs> I'll um, be there. It'll be a good time, man. So, um, folks, if you are um, heading to Vegas or in Nashville, um, make sure you check in with uh, DJ Rod Yuri on Instagram to uh, find out where he's going to be. Go check him out. Um, and uh, remember, man, no matter what you want to do, whether it's a, a DJ, a musician, businessman, selling whatever, whatever. Um, Consistency trumps intensity, and um, if you want it bad enough, and you're willing to do the work, you can have it. Absolutely, you can have it. All right, man, DJ Rod Yuri. Um, uh, check out his Mixcloud. Download the app. I know that um, anytime we're at an event, if you're, if I'm in, responsible for the music, that's usually we're playing one of your mixes. I've heard stories. Oh yeah, all the time. Um, but dude, thanks again so much for hanging with me today. Um, it was a blast. We got to have you back. Yeah, we got to have you back. Me. And I will be seeing you. In Vegas here in just a few short days. It's yes, sir. It's gonna be awesome. So, folks, thanks again uh, for tuning in to another episode of the Hit Streak. Once again, I'm your man, Nick Hyder, and uh, we, like I gotta say this, we've been blown away with the uh, with the reception. Um, that uh, that uh, I'm I'm glad you guys like this. I'm glad you guys are getting a lot out of it, and uh, we we so much appreciate your support. Don't forget to click those subscribe buttons so you get notified when the next episode drops, and uh, and keep keep downloading and streaming, baby. It's rocking around. Thanks again so much for tuning in today. God bless.